Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Oh, we got to get a little louder than that. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. That's what I'm talking about. It's fall. It feels good outside. Yeah. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intended on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we come before you, Lord, give us that spirit of humility. Help us to think about others, Lord. Lord, help us to glorify you in everything that we say, do, and think. Lord, we want to especially pray for the youth that are coming back, that uh, you will just keep them safe, Lord, um, that they will recall to their minds the things that they've learned this weekend from your word and from uh, the lessons and the speakers, Lord. And we just thank you for the ones that are visiting us from uh, college and the college and career. We just thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you will just be with them, give them an extra blessing, Lord, that they will find a good church, a good college group um, that will encourage them and lift their spirits um, as they are just trying to understand and figure out who you are and, and what you're trying to show them. Lord, we do want to give you all the glory and honor today as we worship you, as we look at your word, as we partake in communion, Lord, that we'll remember um, what you have done for us. We just thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory and honor in your name. Amen. You don't know where the scissors stand, so anyway. But, um, you know, we should, when we come together, we should be amazed at who God is. When, every time we think about who God is, we should be amazed at him. And so that's the reason why we come to worship him this morning, is to stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. So let's all sing on that hymn there, I Stand Amazed in the Presence of Jesus the Nazarene.
be singing out today because I'm not going to be able to help you today, okay? So I want you to really sing out on these great songs. You know, we stand on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, firm foundation. Let's sing this together. marvelous our God is, how marvelous the Lord Jesus is, how wonderful the Lord Jesus is. And he's our firm foundation that we stand on. It's not like sinking sand. It's a firm foundation that we stand on, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not only just his word, but just in who he is. We can trust him. You know, he, t he calls us to trust him and to obey him. You know, uh, we're going through something right now, you know, with Robert Harper, you know, that we don't know how long the Lord is going is going to, to you know to do this and so we're just having to learn to trust him with that you know as much as we may want something or he may want something or whatever we just have to trust him and we we do and that's what we do we say we pray to the lord we say lord you are in charge of this you know but we're going to trust you with it so his days are numbered and the lord what it is is you know what it is and so we're just going to trust him with it but in everything all of us, God calls us to trust him and to obey him in everything. Let's sing this old hymn together.
everything blowing, the, the air blows across the, the stage here and everything blows off. But, uh, but Lord, I trust you with it. It's <laughs> uh, the song the choir is going to do right now, um, it kind of goes along the same, the same way. When we trust him, when we obey him, then we, we know that he is sovereign. He's the sovereign God. He's in control of all things. And sometimes, you know, we have to wait. We just have to wait. Verse of Scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall, what's that? They shall run, run, run and never faint. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. I thought I had that memorized there. But uh, anyway, let's uh, just continue to think about who the Lord is, this, this awesome, this marvelous God, this God that we can trust and that we can wait on him. Listen to the words of the choir as they sing.
Take your Bibles and go to Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll be this morning. Acts in the second chapter. Did you know that no matter how much money you have in your pocket right now, or how much money you have in the bank today, you are rich if you're in Christ. Do you know that? You're very wealthy. To be in Christ is great wealth. In fact, to be in Christ is eternal wealth because all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior one day will be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. And we are so wealthy, and I think sometimes we act like we're so poor. Might I encourage us to act like we're really rich? Regardless of whether you have five or ten dollars in the bank, you're really wealthy. And I really want to get that point across this morning because of the subject matter at hand. This morning we want to talk about the last pillar, which is the pillar of fellowship. And in the pillar of fellowship, we're going to come to the conclusion that you and I are really rich, rich to be able to have fellowship with the Lord and rich to be able to have fellowship with other believers. Now, I don't want you to think about the fellowship with other believers in terms of the people that are just in here because the church is worldwide. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Before and you've gone to a foreign country or you've gone here in the United States to another state to do a project and you've been with other believers and you are in there for five minutes and it's like you've been with them for five years because of the bond that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't talk about that bond enough. It's strong. It's rich. It's something none of us should take for granted. And I trust after this morning's study together that we'll have a newfound appreciation for fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with one another. And by the way, just in case I forget to say it later, I might say it again, you never know. Fellowship with the Lord, or lack thereof, impacts the fellowship with other believers. I hear people say, I wish I'm going to walk into church today and I really want the Lord to use me. Well, if that's the first time you've ever thought about the Lord all week, hello. Fellowship with the Lord. That's the key component. In fact, the scriptures speak about that and we're going to look at that in just a few moments. But since this is our last pillar that we'll discuss, I wanted to give you guys just real quick a review of where we've been before we look at the issue of fellowship today. Remember we talked about the vision statement, knowing Christ and making Christ known. That is the vision statement for Grace Community Church at Deerfoot. But I don't think that you would be hard pressed to find that right in the scriptures. Knowing Christ and making Christ known. That's our vision statement here at Grace. And we talked about the mission statement, which is being the hands and feet of Christ. So that when we leave this place, right, we're being the hands and feet of Christ here, but it's beyond the walls here at Grace. We're being the hands and feet of Christ wherever we go. 
I play softball on Tuesday mornings. And one of the reasons I do, well, I don't right now because I'm hurt. I'm on the disabled list. And the only way that's going to get better is if Susan Dunn makes me some oatmeal cookies. <laughs> without raisins. The first time I ever, as a side story, first time I ever ate oatmeal cookies that Earl brought, we were playing golf and, and we're riding down the fairway together and I'm eating one of those cookies and I just start spitting. And he's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't like raisins. Said, so, do you know the very next time I had my own little bucket? But you know, one of the things I enjoy about Tuesday mornings, one of the things that's so precious to me is I have fellowship with other guys there who know the Lord. Fellowship is really critical in the life of the Lord. And so it's not just being the hands and feet of Christ here, but it's being at that out wherever the Lord takes us, right? Uh, and that involves sharing the gospel, sharing with those who are lost. In fact, I would encourage you, as Paul does, you know, Paul in the New Testament shares the gospel. Every time you see his letter, he's writing to the church, to believers, and he's sharing the gospel. So you're like, hey, that sounds weird, right? But it's not weird. Share the gospel. Share it with believers Share it with unbelievers. And then building, building up the believers in the word and prayer. And that's why, listen, that's not just focused here, but that's in a lot of different locations. It's in college and career. It's in high school ministry. It's in junior high ministry. It's in our small group ministry. We're building up believers in the word and prayer. And I would encourage you to think beyond just Sunday morning for one hour. That's just not a lot of time. And then equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We want to equip the saints. That's the responsibility as outlined in, in the book of Ephesians. To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not just the responsibility of a few. It's all of us. Isn't that awesome that God wants to use all of us in the body of Christ? And so I encourage you to think through those things if you have not already. We've been looking at the pillars of grace and so the pillars are built on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ and the gospel. The first pillar we talked about was the word. We talked about reading the word, preaching the word, teaching the word. I would encourage you, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. Um, put that phone away for a few minutes, meditate on the word. And then we have missions. We talked about that. We had a big emphasis on missions and the responsibility that we have not only to declare the gospel here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the responsibility that God gave to his disciples and we own that responsibility as well. And then we talked about prayer and the importance of, of communing with the Lord through prayer and praying with one another. That's very, very critical in the life of a believer. One of the most fantastic things that we experience is answered prayer. You agree with that? Answered prayer. Isn't it great to pray with other believers and to see that answered I would say that one of the things probably the church could work on is thanking the Lord for answering that. Just a, just a suggestion. But, but listen, prayer is so critical to the life of the body of Christ. And then we talked about discipleship, investing in the lives of others. And Paul gave that model in the context of 2 Timothy in a different way. Train faithful men who will train others who will train others. And so we're supposed to, as believers, invest in the lives of other believers, Right? We're supposed to invest in them and build them up in the word of God and in prayer. And this morning, we want to focus in on that last one, which is fellowship. As I was looking at this one, um, boy, there's just a lot of conviction that came about as I was looking through this particular one. 
I want to read this story to you um, before we get into the word itself. Um, this is about a, a Russian girl. After many months of waiting, a Russian girl finally obtained a visa to visit her relatives in Canada for three months. She arrived in Canada and was shown around the various attractions, amusements, and entertainments. The young Russian seemed immensely impressed by the amount of things that people were wrapped up with. As the three months drew to a close, everyone expected her to defect and seek political asylum in Canada. Well, she surprised them all by expressing a desire to return to her family in Russia and the small group of believers to which they belonged. She explained that in North America, everyone seems wrapped up in things and doesn't have time for people. In Russia, they don't have as many material possessions and consequently they need each other. She wanted to return to a place where people relied on each other, where fellowship was important. I read that story and I'm like, wow, you know, how's that fellowship going? Not just, I'm not talking about specifically here. I think we need to think about that. But beyond here, the fellowship with other believers. You know, there are other believers in Birmingham. Do you know that? There's opportunities for us to fellowship beyond the walls of this church. But I would encourage you that that fellowship begins with the Lord, and then it begins, and then it moves to your family, and then it comes to your church family, and it just spreads out. And some in here are going, man, I don't really want to do that. I like being an introvert, sit by myself, do my own thing, which is encouraged in our culture. I mean, as long as you have a phone, you're good, Right? There's no reason to even talk to anyone. But the reality is that God, man, he just made his church to be completely different. He wants us to fellowship with him and with each other. Well, if we're going to do that, we kind of need to understand what that looks like. What does the word fellowship mean? How does that look in the body? So in Acts chapter 2, I want you to see this verse 42. Notice Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. They were continually, so you have to say who was continually, they were, who were they? 3,000 souls had been added to the church. 3,000 people. What do you do with 3,000 people? You get rid of them, right? Who wants that kind of responsibility? Imagine. If the church in America was growing at that rapid rate, if all of a sudden instead of having 150 in here, we had 300 in here, is that okay? Because who builds his church? The Lord does. He builds his church. In fact, the Bible says that the Lord was adding to their number. So they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The, the article is there in the Greek. So it's to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to or in the prayers. So you have this movement of the Lord, and 3,000 souls are added. What do you do? Who are these people? What were they doing? Well, verse 42 tells us partly what they were doing. The Bible tells us they were continually diligent. 
Now that Greek word is really important because it's something that um, all of us understand the term diligent, but the importance of being diligent in the context here, I mean, it is a wonderful picture. These believers were being diligent in four areas. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and in the prayers. It was their lifestyle. They met together, and they met together all the time. And they devoted themselves to the word, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. There, there was among those believers an extraordinary commitment. Isn't that what you're looking for with your children as they grow up? Extraordinary commitment to the right things, right? See, somebody just texted it right there. Extraordinary commitment to the right things. Well, that's what the scripture is telling us here. These believers were committed extraordinarily to the right things, to the things that were going to help them grow. I look at the church today, and I just, I mean, as you look at the landscape of the church, not just the believers here, do you see that extraordinary commitment to the word and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread? And to prayers. I think that happens. But one of the things that concerns me the most is diligence. Because you know what? If we're going to be diligent or devoted, we're going to run into uncomfortable moments. True? True. That are going to challenge these areas of devotion to the Word. Because the world already received the memo, it's all about me. Has the church? Yeah. What are we going to do with that message of the world? We say, no, it's not about me. It's about fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And might I say, appropriate fellowship. Okay, I need to say that. Appropriate fellowship. In fact, I think if you're going to look for appropriate fellowship and kind of how that looks... We're not going to turn there this morning, but you look to the book of Titus, where it talks about older women, mature women, teaching younger women, and older men being the examples to younger men. Now, does that need to happen? Answer, yes. Is it happening at record pace? So these guys were continually diligent. The same term is used in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. When it says, describing the behavior of the disciples, it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. There was a diligence. There was a fervency here on their part to prayer. Same word, same idea. There was an extraordinary commitment on their part. So we see that diligence in those four areas. But then... Secondly, what we see is that they were continually diligent in the fellowship. So he says the apostles teaching the fellowship. Now the word fellowship is important to understand. The word fellowship refers to communion 
or that which is shared in common. I really like that second phrase there, shared in common. Did you know there are things that we have in common, right? And then there are things we're different in. One of the differences, I'm a Razorback. How many of you are Razorbacks? None of you. I shared, oh, my son is, yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you, this last night, Andrew and I were watching, well, we were watching the Yankees. Let's go, Yankees. So we're watching the Yankee game, and I'm listening to the Razorback game, and we're flipping kind of back and forth trying to keep up with it. And those lousy Razorbacks, they lost again, right? And they really are lousy. And so I looked over at Andrew. I said, man, Andrew, I think Alabama could beat us by 100. <laughs> you know what he said? Dad, I'm kind of hoping that would happen. It would be nice to kind of see that. Um, I, I thought about that for a minute. I thought, yeah, that might be all right. We have things that were different, right? Things that we, you know, like food. We have, all of us have different preferences when it comes to food. And then there are things we have in common when it comes to those things. But can I tell you something? Guys, the greatest and richest thing that we have in common is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, notice what it says here. It refers to fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm about to start a series in a couple of weeks on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You know what I think's happened in the church? The Holy Spirit's not considered a whole lot. We, the church, and unbeknownst, some have made him kind of like this impersonal force. No. He's a person. And do you know, if you're a believer, that person lives in you. So the fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and the Holy Spirit. First John, John points that out. What well, we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hey guys, I am very confident of my relationship with the Lord Jesus. I know I belong to him. But there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. That fellowship picture to me kind of looks like Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord. I'm just giving you illustrations that come to my mind. You know, you're going to have a hard time finding the word in the Old Testament, the word fellowship. Some, it, there's a couple of uh, concordances that have references to two particular psalms where the word is used. But you don't see it like you see it in the New Testament after Acts chapter 2. But there's another example of a man who just reading through his life, you, and there's not much said about him, but you go, wow, this guy understood fellowship. You know what I'm talking about? Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with the Lord how many years? 300 years. 
Hebrews tells us that he pleased the Lord. I'm like, man, right, that's a good thing. So I'm thinking, what gets in the way of the mind of fellowship? Me, I get in my own way. Any of you ever get in your own way? People get in my way when I'm driving, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting in my way. Man, there's so many things that rob us. I mean, I know I illustrate that phone over and over again, but it's true. I mean, how many times has that interrupted your quiet time or fellowship with another believer? You know, sometimes, I'll be honest, I just want to throw that thing away. God wants us to commune with him. All right, I've got to move on. So, not only with the Father and Son, but the Scripture tells us with the Spirit. Notice uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of who? The Holy Spirit be with you all. Jordan read that this morning about the fellowship of the Spirit. I didn't even talk to him about this. He's reading, I'm like, yeah, yes. So there's the fellowship with the Trinity, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all made possible because of Jesus Christ. All made possible because of his death on the cross. Well, then there's another aspect of fellowship. So it's not just with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but that's, that's the vertical. And guys, I, I can say this over and over again and probably should for the next 10 minutes. That impacts this. There's another reference point to fellowship in the New Testament. It's found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5, where Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation. And the word there means partnership. There's a partnership. Do you know if you're in Christ today, I'm in Christ, if you're in Christ, we have a partnership. And that partnership is illustrated here in the Apostle Paul's life and in the life of these Philippian believers. Their partnership was what? In the gospel. It was in the gospel. I mean, what greater partnership? We have a partnership in the gospel. And Paul writes, from the first day until now, there was this partnership that existed between Paul and the churches. And do you know that I believe 100% Paul understood how important that was. And we don't have time to read the end of Colossians, but do you see all the people in chapter four that the apostle Paul refers to? Why does he refer to them? Not only is he appreciative of their labor, but he enjoys the fellowship. Fellowship. That's why the author in Hebrews writes, do not forsake the assembling of what? Yourselves together. Why? We need each other. So you, knew, you know who we need to really pray for today? Those people who think, I'm, I'm just fine. I don't need it. Hey, look, I may look like I have this dynamic personality, but I really don't. And when I was taking speech in high school, I didn't want to take it. I didn't know what the class was. I thought, I'm not speaking in front of anybody. And I went in homiletics, and the Lord was moving me to that. 
I didn't want to preach in front of George or in front of Dr. Hughley. The Lord was moving me to that. Listen, you might be sitting there today and you go, man, I can't fellowship. Try just with one person. And then move to another person. And eventually, you know what? Hey, you know the expectation, right? This is true. And you're sitting there and you're going, you're going to be doing like that. The expectation of the body is that the pastor would fellowship with who? Everybody. And you get to do it too. Is that the way it happens in the church? You know what oftentimes happens in the church? I can fellowship with them. But I'm either scared or I don't want to fellowship with them. Man, they're way different from me. Well, listen, I fellowship with you guys. You guys are like me. We're all different. I mean, look in, in Corinthians where Paul writes about it. It's a beautiful thing. We're not all the same. We're not all arms. We're not all legs. We're all different. And God uses us. And you know what? I need your fellowship. I need it. I need you to come up to me and say, hey, Thad, how's your walk with the Lord? I mean, if you just want to put it in layman's terms, fellowship is walking with the Lord and walking and doing life with each other. That's what it is. But that phone, I'm going to say it again, is keeping people from fellowship. It is. I believe it with all my heart. In fact, I wonder, how many of young people have been on an interview, job interview, Thought about, you ever thought about that? Actually sitting in front of somebody and having to talk. Fellowship. We need the fellowship. And Paul talks about the joint fellowship that he had with the believers there in Philippi. Well, we go back to Acts chapter 2 and we see that the believers there clearly demonstrated the fellowship with one another. It was crystal clear. In fact, we don't need any other text. We can just look at this one. How did that look? Well, first of all, they were together. Well, to be together, then I have to value what? Being together. I value being with other believers. They were together, the Bible says, verse 44. Look what it says. It says, verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together. You say, yeah, that's a different time, different place. They were all so close to each other. So, so what? I mean, I've heard people try to argue against this coming together using the fact that, oh, well, it was a different culture, different setting. You know, they were all lived on top of each other, basically. I mean, you may have even had in these 3,000 people, right, those from families who just uh, were ostracized. And so the believers are coming together and rallying around those new believers. But just because we don't live right next door to each other, does that excuse us from fellowship? No. So it says, all those who believed were together. They had all things in common. In other words, they didn't let anybody go without what they needed. If there was a need, it was met. Hey, guys, you know what? I want to commend us here at Grace. We do this well. When there are needs, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen where people are just hopping in there and meeting needs. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. And that's what was going on here in the early church. It says they had all things in common. Verse 45, look what it says. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing 
them with all as anyone might have need. That doesn't feel comfortable, does it? But sometimes the Lord asks us to give away things to other believers, doesn't he? Has the Lord ever asked you to give away a car? Right? To give away $300 where you're like, man, I really wanted that $300. But see, that's the way the Lord works. The Lord puts it on our hearts to minister to other people who have need. They were sharing. They were selfless. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And then it says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you look at all these things. They were together. They had all things in common. They were sharing. That sharing it was a result of a selfless heart. They were unified That is a major theme in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus prayed for unity in John 17. Do you know that? He prayed for it. Why? Because it's easy to what? Be disunified. The Lord is blessed when his body is together. And that takes humility. That takes humility. That takes also a teachability. It says, Lord... I haven't arrived. I'm willing to learn. Then it says they were breaking bread together from house to house. They were fellowship. When we think about fellowship, we think about breaking bread, don't we? First thing that comes to our mind is, man, we're having a fifth Sunday dinner. We're going to fellowship. We even call it fellowship, right? But fellowship's a lot deeper than that. That's part of fellowship, but it's not the whole. They were breaking bread. There was a togetherness. And the Bible says in verse 47, they were worshiping together. By the way, might I just add something just for us to think about in terms of worship? They were, it says they were praising God continually together. Every one of us has preferences when it comes to music. How many of you knew that without me telling you? One of the great gifts that we have here at Grace is a diversity when it comes to our music. We have a choir. They do a wonderful job. They work hard. We need to appreciate those who diligently labor among us. I appreciate them. I mean, one of the songs I love, it's an old hymn, and Ron, we need to sing it more. The old rugged cross. Love that song. And I know it's hard for young people. I get all that. I get that. I grew up sitting in a, in a not a sanctuary like this, but because we didn't have chairs, we had pews. You know what pews meant? Your dad could keep you close by. <laughs> remember those days, right? You're in the pew, bam. So I remember those days. I remember being in a traditional, as they call it, church. Young people, I'd encourage you, appreciate those hymns. If you need a book to help you with that, I've got one. Because a lot of those stories, a lot of what we're singing is about real life stuff. But then there's the other side of it. The praise and worship. 
I mean, I'd love to be able to play one of these instruments. I can't. But I really appreciate the people who diligently labor and practice to do that, don't you? And it might not be your preference to have a praise team or a choir, but you know what's so awesome? At the end of it, as long as it's pointing to our Lord and Savior, isn't that the issue? With correct doctrine, by the way. Guys, they were praising the Lord together, and we have the privilege of doing that together. All right, well, let me give you something to think about beyond just what's here in Acts 2. What does koinonia, isn't that a cool word, koinonia fellowship look like in the church? I want to give you some, and these are just a few examples, okay, beyond Acts chapter 2. We can see what was going on there. First of all, this is what happens in the fellowship, in the body of Christ, that we need to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And if we're going to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, that means we have to get in each other's space. Secondly, give preference to one another in honor. That word preference is an interesting word in the Greek, and it means to go before. It means the idea is putting others first. Easy to do? Yeah. No. Not easy to do. By the way, you can take those preference issues to, first of all, remember I talked about earlier, the home, the fellowship starts in the home, right? That preference issue. How does that work out in your marriage, right? It's an issue, is it not? So the word means to go before. It means putting others first. So I put my wife first. It's not about that. It's about Teresa. And all God's people said, amen. Right, honey? Amen. So we give preference to one another in honor. Then thirdly, we live in harmony with one another. Have you ever been to an orchestra, like a live orchestra? Not just listening to it on the radio, but like a live orchestra. Teresa, I took my wife on a date years ago to the Allie Stevens Center. I think that's what it's called. Is that right? Allie Stevens Center? Allie, same difference. All right, so I took her to that center, and there's an orchestra there. It's one thing to listen to it on the radio, but wow, to see how all those instruments come together. It's incredible. And I'm thinking, that's what the Lord wants all of us to do. Come together. Live in harmony. And then fourthly, we're to serve one another in love. That means we have to obviously put others first. We have to be kind and compassionate to one another. By the way, this is a very short list. You can make a long list of the one another passages. Do that this afternoon. Right after you eat lunch, all right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Admonish one another. Now, I put that one in there on purpose. That's not an easy one to do. Do you know what the word admonish means? In the Greek, it means to give counsel. You say, ugh, ugh, that makes me, right? That doesn't feel good. But there's two thoughts with that. Advising, sometimes people need our advice. And by the way, that's biblical advice. And then sometimes admonishing means warning. Hey, we get warnings. 
you going around a curve, right? Before you go around that curve, there's a sign. There's a warning sign alerting you that there's a cliff. And if not careful, you would fly over the cliff. Well, in the Christian life, listen, we need people who are going to look at us and say, hey, you're about to fly over the cliff. You say, oh, that feels weird. But it's what God wants. So it can mean advising, it can mean warning. And the last one I'll give you is forgive each other. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you know in that Ephesians passage, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let me, let me tell you how God in Christ has forgiven you and me. He's done it unconditionally. He's done it sacrificially. Man. He demonstrated, right? The Lord demonstrated his love toward us. And then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sacrificial love, but unconditional love. All right, so those are just additional thoughts about the issue of fellowship. You know, when I was preparing for this, I was like, man, Lord, how am I really doing in that? And I'm going to give the report to you. That be all right? Be accountable to you about that? My fellowship with the Lord, my fellowship with the Lord, I can go weeks and it really be good. Have you ever had that word? Weeks. And then there's an event in my life that happens and it's like a train wreck. Have you ever had that? And you're off that track and man, I want to tell you something. That's rough. And you know you're not right. I mean, as, as you mature as a believer, you know when you're off the track. Now, somebody might say, hey, look, you're about to go off the road, but you already know it, and when they tell you, you're like, Rrr. I don't really want to hear that. But the reality is, we know when we're going off the track. We know when that's happening. Every once in a while, guys, pinch me, I'm human, it happens. And I can tell you what happens. Do you know what happens when that goes on in my life? I'm not in this book as near as much as I need to be. You say, that, how much are you in it? Is there ever too, is, is it too, I mean, if we said, hey, I'm in it 20 hours a day, is that too much? We can't be in it enough. I feel like, hey, if we have something really good to go on, I'm feeding myself three times a day, at least. And when I get Susan's oatmeal cookies, it's going to be three and a half times. Right? I, I'm faithful about that. The physical. Lord, help me to be faithful in fellowship with you spiritually. And then fellowship with the brothers. You know how that looks in my life? Sometimes I'm doing really well with that. And you know it. Because I'm in your space. But have you ever gone to church on a Sunday morning, sat in the back, and thought, I don't want to see anybody today. That ever happened to you? happened to me if they can't sit in the back I have to stand in the front but it happens hey guys you know why it happens we're human we have this flesh so I say is fellowship important yeah do we have examples in scripture all throughout scripture what are we going to do with the instruction 
that the Lord gives us. What are we going to do with the example? I'm glad we have examples. In the early church, I believe we have it in Mary. I believe we have it in Enoch. There are others whose fellowship with the Lord was sweet and whose fellowship with others was sweet. Lord, help us to be the church that fellowships biblically. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the fellowship that we can enjoy with you. And I was thinking, you just brought to my mind, you know, a mother that is raising children is looking for just a few moments of silence. And I can appreciate that. I pray that we would look for those moments of silence where we can fellowship with you, where we can be like Mary and sit at your feet and just take in what you're giving us. Lord, I think about David as a shepherd boy and the fellowship he enjoyed with you. We have the evidence in the Psalms that he wrote. Lord, I pray that we would enjoy the fellowship with you and that that would just ooze out of us as we're together with one another and that we will genuinely be interested in how our brothers and sisters are doing, how their walk is with you. How's life going? Help us to be discerning in how we enter into the space of others. Help it to be appropriate. Help it to be honoring to you. But Lord, make us bold when we need to be bold, but help us to be bold in love so that we're not a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Help us to be discerning. Help us to understand that the fellowship that we enjoy is beyond the walls of this place. And Lord, we have such a wonderful picture in the book of the Revelation of what that fellowship is going to be like. Your word tells us that there'll be people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. I can't imagine that. But all that fellowship will be centered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come to your table today, it's an opportunity for us to fellowship with you and with our brothers and sisters that sit next to us. I pray that, Lord, you would help us right now just to have a couple of moments of just confession before you. Lord, we want our hearts to be right before you as we take the elements today as we remember your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. So Lord, we just, for a couple of minutes, we just want to confess before you our sin and our need for you.
Lord, all these things we pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask the men who have been chosen to serve this morning, if they would come forward, the deacons and elders who have been chosen or asked to, to serve. Apostle Paul writes these words, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, In my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is awesome because it's a beautiful picture of what's going on here today. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. His death meant something. He died for us so that we wouldn't have to remain in our sins. (laughs) And then he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know, the word confession means to agree with God. And so, just a few moments ago, I asked you to confess. And what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I mean, I am. Lord, I sin. I agree that what you said is right, and I didn't do what was right. I'm thankful to know that my sins have been forgiven. I hope you're thankful this morning that your sins are forgiven. And so this morning, as we come to the table We're going to take the bread first. I don't think the kids are out. I was going to explain this to them. There's some kids in here. But we take the bread to remember the body of our Lord and the suffering that he went through on the cross. So while this is a piece of bread, a loaf of bread, a half a loaf of bread, we take that piece and we eat that piece in remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And do you know, young people, kids today, the suffering of our Lord began before the cross. It began in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where it began, where he was sweating drops of blood, asking that the cup could pass from him. But just earlier, he had said to his father that he had fulfilled what it was that he had given him to do, (laughs) looking to the cross. And so this morning we take the bread in remembrance of the body of our Lord.
Steve, would you pray for the cup this morning? Lord, we pause to remember the blood that you shed on the cross. And it's really all about remembering a time when we can think of you in reverence and respect for what you did for us. But it's an, also a time that we can participate in something together as a family. And so, I thank you, God, for this ordinance that you gave it to us. And I pray that we might partake of it in a worthy manner. In Christ's name, I pray, amen. Listen to what Peter wrote. He said, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things. The word redeem means bought. You're not bought with, with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And so this morning we take this juice and we remember the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed. Many years ago, when we were back at the Springville Road Church. Matter of fact, it was very early on in that. There was a lady who came to me and she was having to leave the church because she was moving to the other side of town where her kids were because she had lost her husband rather young. But I remember her saying, I always remember this, she'll say, she'll say Ron, she says, never, never stop singing about the cross. At the time, there was a lot of songs being written, and you could hardly tell whether or not they were Christian or whatever at that time. And you didn't find too many of the new songs that were depicting the cross at all. And she, she, I've, I've taken that, and every time I think about whenever we're picking out songs about the cross, the old rugged cross or whatever, I, I always think about <clears throat> what that lady said to me. We should never, ever forget about what happened at the cross. And that's what we've done today. We've remembered that. There's an old hymn, Jesus, keep me near the cross. They are a precious fountain, free to all, 
a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Paul talks about that. I will glory in the cross. We sing songs about that. And that's what this song is about. Let's sing this together, may we? about the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross where a precious fountain free to hold a healing stream flows from Calvary's
Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So how cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a Amen. Friday I was um, in my office and it was quiet and I was able to get a lot done and I was going to grab me some lunch and come back to the office and just be by myself and study. And I had texted Ron about Robert. I said I might wait and go see him on Sunday instead of today. I'd seen him earlier in the week and the Lord was giving me a lesson on fellowship. It was almost like he was saying, Thad, get up now and drive to Pell City. And to think what I would have missed if I had not done that. So I obeyed the Lord and I got up and I drove to Pell City. And I admit to you in my flesh there wasn't anything in me that wanted to do that. I was enjoying my time alone. Drove to Pell City, went in Robert's room, and he's going to be with the Lord soon. And I was sitting there, I have to wake him up, and um, you know, Robert's just got a sense of humor. He said, it's you. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that, but he said it. And... Um, I was sitting there, and he was kind of going in and out of sleep, and then he kind of woke up a little bit, and, and I, during that time, I was like, I'm going to read the scriptures to him. So I read Psalm 103. I don't know if he heard any of it or not, but I got to Psalm 104. I just kept reading, and I got to the end of the psalm, and he kind of leaned up, and he looked at me, and he said, that's right. And I'm like, man, Lord, thank you for this simple lesson. And you know, from that moment on, for about the next five minutes, he talked about that beautiful shore. And he's looking forward to being with the Lord. And um, it was just so precious. It was a precious reminder, a spanking from the Lord. Hey, Thad, it's not about you. I'll take care of all that stuff you need. You just go do what I need you to do. To think I would have missed out on that time with a great man of God. I love Robert Harper. He's, he and Doris have, have had so much. You can't say one name without the other. That's always a good testimony, by the way. And I'm just so thankful for what the Lord allowed me to experience on Friday. To be able to experience the fellowship that I'm talking about this morning. So help us, Lord, to be available instruments of yours, always ready 
for whenever you want to move us from our comfortable spots. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for the lessons that you teach me over and over again, some of them, same lessons. It's because I have this flesh and I'm a stubborn man at times. And I know it. I'm weak. I need your spirit to lead me and to guide me. I need to submit to him daily. Lord, I just thank you for this fellowship of believers here at Grace. I pray that we would love you and love each other. That we would actively participate in each other's lives so that it would bring honor and glory to you. Help us to know, Lord, that you expect that of us. You expect us to be involved in each other's lives. I just want to stop and thank you, Lord, for Robert. I pray for him in his last moments. You know how many hours he has. I have no idea. Nobody does, but you do. I'm thankful, Lord, that he's confident that he's going to be in your presence. And Lord, I know he looks forward to that. I asked him Friday, I said, you looking forward to heaven? He said, yes, sir. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I pray that that's for all of us, that we look forward to heaven because that means being in your presence. Help us to long each day for fellowship with you. Help us to lay aside the distractions. Help us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. You're dismissed.